you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, that's on page 599. We're going to read the whole chapter, but I'll be preaching on uh, the last verse, verse 31. Isaiah 40. um, Isaiah has been called the fifth gospel, uh, full of God's grace, speaking of God's glory. Chapter well worth uh, reading, meditating upon, studying. Uh, Hear God's word. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. This is the word of God. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. And his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering 
chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord, we read passages, chapters of your word like this in Isaiah 40, and we're in awe, we're humbled, drawn to worship you, the Holy One of Israel, our Redeemer, our Creator, our Savior, our Lord. Lord, pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts even today, that we might see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly, day by day. By your grace and for your glory, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our year verse... Uh, for 2022 is Isaiah 40, verse 31. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open uh, there to uh, that verse of Scripture. You might be thinking, how does our pastor go about uh, selecting a year verse? I read Scripture. I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would guide me in the process I prayerfully consider our church family, our contemporary culture, and the unchanging truth about Christ our Savior as taught in God's word. 
that verse that was our year verse for 2017. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God uh, will stand forever. My prayer is that our year verse will be used by the Lord our God to edify our minds, uh, to encourage our hearts in our walk of faith with Christ, and, and finally, that it will exalt Christ. So let's say Isaiah 40, uh, verse 31, uh, one more time. Isaiah 40, verse 31, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now here we see Scripture teaches us that the Lord graciously strengthens believers who wait on him in faith. How does the Lord graciously strengthen our faith as we wait on him? Just two points this morning, but the second one has four points. First truth is that there is a gracious call to faith in the Lord. But they who wait for the Lord... But then in the second part of Isaiah 40, verse 31, there there are four gracious comforts uh, that the Lord gives to those who wait upon him. Uh, So let's uh, dig into God's word together. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it begins with a gracious call to faith. You know, here uh, Isaiah was the Lord's prophet to God's people Uh, during their political and spiritual decline. The best guesstimate is Isaiah prophesied 740 to about 701 B.C. before Christ. Uh, The world power of Assyria cast a a heavy dark shadow upon Israel, and Isaiah prophesied during the reigns of four kings, uh, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, Isaiah charged God's people with sin. He uh, declared God's coming judgment on them, and he called God's faithless and idolatrous people uh, to repent of their sins before a holy God. And uh, if you're looking for an outline of Isaiah, it's basically Isaiah chapter 1 through verse 39, and then chapter 40 through verse 66, the First part of Isaiah focuses on God's judgment of Israel by Assyria, but in the portion we'll be studying today, uh, Isaiah assures the the remnant, and that's a a, a glorious gospel picture. There will always be a righteous remnant. And he assures the remnant of their return from exile in Babylon and God's gracious and ultimate deliverance of a Messiah. As you read through Isaiah 40 through 66, it's filled with gospel references to our Messiah, the man of sorrows, the suffering servants, and our Savior. Just to read one verse, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12. Isaiah 53, verse 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. 
So now Isaiah 40 begins with God's gospel hope of comfort for struggling believers. It's a glorious chapter, and you've heard it, uh, that proclaims God's greatness and grace. I believe we can almost compare Isaiah 40 uh, to Romans chapter 8, one of the great gospel passages in the New Testament. But fast forward to Isaiah 40, verse 27. Isaiah here has a charge against Jacob, God's people, God's sinful people, in their depraved deceitfulness. They try to excuse their evil ways. There in verse 27, first they they try to say, well, I'm successfully hiding my wicked ways from the Lord. And then secondly, a New American Standard translates it this way, the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. You know, there is a God, you know, he, he may be a holy God, but really my, my life has nothing to do with God. I'm out of his eyesight, out of his earshot. I can do what I want. Live my life um, saying I did it my way. And so now Isaiah, beginning in Isaiah 40, verse 28, calls believers to relearn and to remember the character of the Lord. That's something we always need to do as Christians. Whether we're young or old, in between, They remember that the Lord is the everlasting God, verse 28, the creator of the ends of the earth. As Matthew Henry puts it, he, that is the Lord, was from eternity. He will be to eternity, and therefore with him there is no deficiency and no decay. You know, as creator of the universe, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, omnipresent, You know, unlike us, or at least unlike me when I'm caffeine-deprived or or hangry, you know, he never grows faint or weary, never grows faint or weary. His understanding is inscrutable. You know, and in stark contrast, for our youth and young men, even strong youths and young men in the prime of life soon faint grow weary, become exhausted. You know, before we move on to Isaiah 40, verse 31, it's vital for us to hear the hopelessness and see the struggle in the hearts and minds of God's people. One of the commentaries worth uh, referring to on Isaiah is by Derek Thomas, uh, God Delivers. And here he rightly highlights uh, the spiritual depression that is taking place uh, here in God's people. He writes, we fail to remember that God is everlasting. We fail to remember God's majesty. We forget that God knows all about us. We forget that we are only pilgrims. So now in Isaiah 40, verse 31, the the Lord our God graciously calls his children to turn in faith to their trustworthy God. All that is introduction, but 
Now take a closer look at Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they who wait upon the Lord, just focusing on on that one word at first, those who wait upon the Lord. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? For my children's sermon, I was going to use the uh, colors of the stoplight, test them, you know, red, yellow, green. Make sure they knew yellow didn't mean go faster. Get through that light before it turns. Make sure they know here in Louisiana, red means stop. Wait. Uh, That's not the idea here with wait. Wait means to hope in the Lord. Wait here could rightly be translated to trust in the Lord. Give you a couple scriptural examples Uh, Just from Isaiah, Isaiah 25, verse 9. Isaiah 25, verse 9. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And then again, Isaiah 33, verse 2. Isaiah 33, verse 2. O Lord, be gracious to us, we wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation in the time of trouble. You know, we we wait expectantly upon the Lord. We wait in faith upon the Lord. Knowing the Lord has not forgotten us, the Lord is not asleep at the wheel, but he calls us to a, a deeper faith, a greater faith, to wait Upon the Lord. What does it mean for us to wait upon the Lord in our discouraging days and stressful seasons of life? You know, we wait on the Lord with patience. That's a hard one, isn't it? We wait on the Lord with patience. We saw it in Romans 8, verse 25. Romans 8, verse 25. Let me refresh our memories, mine included. Romans 8.25. Well, let me begin with verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We wait upon the Lord with, with patience. We wait on the Lord with perseverance. You know, it's not, well, Lord, I'll wait one more day. Lord, I've got you on the stopwatch, the timer. If you don't answer me within the next 24 hours, I'm going to find another solution. We, we wait with perseverance. And finally, we wait on the Lord in prayer. You know, note there, it's a plural pronoun, but they, it it doesn't say, I wait upon the Lord. Yes, we do it as individual Christians, but we do it corporately as a body of Christ. You know, how do we wait on the Lord together? We wait upon the Lord in prayer. So it's, We wait on the Lord in patience. We wait on the Lord in perseverance. We wait on the Lord in prayer. 
You know, as a body of believers, husbands, wives, families, we do it as a church. You know, Jesus teaches his disciples there in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, Mark chapter 14, verse 38, Mark 14, verse 38. You know, the disciples are falling asleep. And Jesus says, watch and pray. We could almost translate that, wait and pray. That you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, we wait upon the Lord in prayer. You know, we're vigilant in prayer. We keep on praying. We, we are waiting upon the Lord. Mark Dever, who's a pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist Church, a strong Reformed Baptist church in Washington, D.C., and it's right there in the heart of Washington in his uh, great book. Um, he preaches through all of the Old Testament books, But he writes this about Isaiah. God alone was the right focus of his people's hope. And therefore he alone was the right object of their trust. You know, we're we're waiting upon the Lord. Remember the psalm we looked at last Lord's Day, Psalm 11. In the Lord I take refuge. In in the Lord I, I put my trust Reread Isaiah 40 and see how often that title for the Lord is used. I'll give it away. It's used ten times. I'll give you one example. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5. Isaiah 40, verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, we're waiting upon the faithful covenant-keeping God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, who knew that the Lord was merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in his steadfast love for us. It's a gracious call to faith in the Lord. On those Sundays leading up to Christmas, and especially in our Lessons, our worship service of lessons and carols, we read many of the Old Testament prophecies about Christ and the New Testament accounts of Christ's incarnation in Matthew and Luke. You know, but in Luke, and, and I'm guilty of this, we, we often stop with the verses that say, but Mary treasured all these things considering them, pondering them in her heart, and then next the shepherds as they returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. You know, but here are these other verses from Luke chapter 2. You know, they they get lost um, in some church years, calendars. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, speaking of Simeon, This is when Jesus is presented at the temple, eight days old, to be circumcised. Read this about Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, you know, waiting there in the temple. 
knowing that the Lord was faithful to his promise, that the Christ child would come and he would behold that Christ child with his own eyes, hold him in his arms. And if that's not enough, skip ahead a couple verses. Luke 2, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. You know, it's a gracious call to wait upon the Lord. It's a blessing from the Lord himself to wait upon him. The Lord still graciously calls us to wait upon him, to wait upon him in faith, uh, with patience, with perseverance, and with prayer. First part of Isaiah 40, verse 31, but look at the second part of Isaiah 40, verse 31. Let me read it again. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Remember that this is a prophecy to to struggling, depressed, discouraged believers, spiritual decline, temptation to idolatry, political turmoil. You know, and here is... You know, four gracious comforts to, to God's people as they wait upon the Lord in faith. You know, Isaiah promises four gracious comforts to those, as John Oswald put it, those who live in confident expectation of his action on our behalf. That's the way we're to live, confident expectation of his action on our behalf, his action of sending a Savior. For us, living in light of Christ's return, living by his grace and for his glory. First comfort, they will gain new spiritual strength. They shall renew their strength. New American Standard, gain new strength. uh, The idea is that They're living in tension, and God is going to compassionately bring about this this change. He'll grant to us a fresh strength of faith. You know, when we think, well, man, I I can't hang on any longer. You know, I'm losing it. I'm hurting. I'm feeling overwhelmed. You know, the, the first comfort Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Or we could rightly say shall have their strength renewed (coughs) by a gracious God. The Lord refreshes us. He revives us. And how does he do that? Through his means of grace. We've already read in Isaiah, he revives us through his word, through the sacraments, the Lord's Supper, and baptism, he revives us, strengthens us through prayer. As we worship together on the Lord's day, you know, lest we think, well, that's an isolated promise, you will gain new strength. You know, look, in my Bible, it's on the same page, Isaiah 41, verse 10. 
Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, God will give us new strength, physical strength, but more importantly, spiritual strength. He will increase our faith in Christ. A second gracious comfort. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will soar upwards by God's grace. You know, it's, it's a picture we see elsewhere in Scripture. We read it in Psalm 103, verse 5. To refresh our memories, Psalm 103, verse 5, who satisfies your youth with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, notice the Lord's word does not say your youth, you'll mount up with wings like a finch, a sparrow, pigeon, not a beautiful red cardinal or a blue jay, you know, like an eagle. And we could rightly call the eagle the king of birds. It was the greatest bird, strongest bird in, in Palestine. You know, it would soar the highest effortlessly. Now that's what God promises us, you know, when we're living by faith, when we're waiting upon the Lord. You know, God himself bears us up on eagles' wings. We read in Exodus 19, verse 4. We are weak. We're earthbound. Unless we're in an airplane, you know, we can't fly. We're weary, we soon faint, and only God's grace can strengthen us, enable us to soar, run in faith, and walk and not faint. We're all the fainting youths and exhausted young men. You know, we need God's saving, sanctifying, and strengthening grace. We will soar upwards by God's grace. We will grow in our love for Christ, we will our our relationship with the Lord will deepen, become higher and deeper and stronger. First Peter five verse ten puts it this way: a helpful New Testament commentary on soaring upward by God's grace. And after you have suffered a little while. The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now that's, that's not a health and wealth gospel, a prosperity gospel. You know, it, it's a picture of glory. And at times in this life, in our walk of faith, I believe the Lord gives us those glimpses. You know, how can it get any sweeter than this in in a worship service, private devotional time? you, You feel as if you are soaring, mounting up with wings like eagles. Not in heaven yet, but one day, by God's grace, we'll be there. The third gracious comfort, they shall run and not be weary. They will not falter. They will not fail. They will not struggle to keep their focus on Christ. They will not be sinking down in the faith. 
You know, at times we ask, you know, in our walk of faith, you know, Lord, I can't make it one more step. You know, just, just let me sit down. Take me home now, Lord. And, and here God's word says, well, you will run and not be weary. Run like the messenger Ahimeaz as he ran to bring good news to King David. You know, back in the day, you know, I'm not a runner, but uh, played soccer in high school, college, and so every summer, so I wouldn't uh, be disgraced. Um, I'll tell you more later, but... uh, you know, at, at the first day of training camp, you know, I would run every day during the summer, except Sundays. And why was that? You know, I wanted to be ready for the start of practice, for, for game day. I, I often grew weary, especially when you first start running. Maybe you've been there. I never could quite reach the point that Eric Little reached, movie Chariots of Fire, movie I would commend to you. He tells his sister, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. You know, God didn't make me fast. I I don't think I ever felt his pleasure when I ran. You know, but we're called to run. I I mean, not just loiter. My dad's word, lollygag. You know, we're, we're called to run. In our walk of faith. You know, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24 puts it this way. Related to the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we in imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body, keep it under control, lest after preaching it to others, I myself should be disqualified. You know, we keep running to win that prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. We, we run because we want to finish the faith strong. By God's grace. You know, but the fourth and final gracious comfort, and it's striking, shall walk and not faint. You know, we've already read, they shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary. And now number four, walk and not faint. It would be easy, tempting to dismiss this. You know, why is this last? I guess it's the least important. But I would suggest to you that it's the most important to walk and not faint. Jeffrey Grogan put, helps us here. He writes the threefold description. You know, just talked about renew their strength, mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary. The threefold description forms a climax, not its opposite. For the exceptional flying and the occasional running do not require, as does the constant walking, an ever flowing stream of grace. 
to walk and not faint. Now here God calls us to persevere in our pilgrimage of faith every day. To be progressing, growing in our grace and knowledge and love for Christ. But God as well graciously assures us that we will not faint. Why? Now go back to verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Now that's why we as followers of Christ on that pilgrimage of faith to the celestial city, we will not go faint because God never grows weary or faint. He supplies us with unending strength until we reach unending glory. You know, this is a climatic comfort of God's grace to us in Christ. You might be saying at this point, Lord... You know, I'm feeling okay. I don't feel like I I need my strength renewed. Lord, I'm fearful of flying. I don't want to mount up with wings like eagles, keep my feet on the ground. You might even be saying, Lord, I'm tired of running, too old to run. But we're all called to walk in faith after Christ. You know, on Wednesday evenings, we've begun studying 3 John. We finished 2 John before Christmas and invite you to come 6.45 Wednesday nights. Studying God's word for a few minutes, spending time in prayer. And this last week we looked at 3 John 4. Let me read it for us. 3 John 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You know, what a striking statement. No greater joy. You know, the greatest joy that the Apostle John has experienced is because his children, those who are trusting in Christ, are walking in the truth of God's word, walking in the truth of God's grace in Christ. You know, not flying, not running, just walking in faith with Christ. You know, as Christians, we walk forward with faith in Christ. We walk with gospel hope in our hearts. We walk in the truth of God's word, all for the glory of God. You know, more than ever, uh, the weary and wicked world around us desperately needs to hear the good news of the gospel. Now, the Lord still calls struggling believers to wait upon the Lord in faith. I believe he calls lost sinners, those who are hurting, hopeless, desperate, despairing, you know, come. That's God's gracious call. They who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we praise and thank you that we can call you the Lord, our Lord. Majestic is your name, Lord, in all the earth, but we thank you.
thank you that you are a God who is also merciful. The God who is with us. The Lord who strengthens us for the pilgrimage of faith. Who enables us, Lord, to mount up with wings like eagles. To run and not be weary. To walk and not be faint. And Lord, uh, for the one this morning who's feeling overwhelmed, hurting, discouraged. Lord, I I pray that they would know that as they wait upon you, as they trust in the strength, the power of the risen Christ, the one who died for our sins on the cross, I pray that they would know, Lord, not only strength, but more importantly, assurance of salvation in Christ. Thank you that that good work that you've begun within us, Lord, you're going to carry it on to completion until that day of Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.